the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie and Benno. Episode 21 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me is Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno. And sadly, Ollie's got a migraine this week, so he, he won't be joining us. But uh, well wishes to Ollie. And uh, Benno, I mean, how's your weekend been? Good. Uh, to be honest, I'm just very, very tired. Uh, I've like, I got back from Germany, what, a week and a half ago now? Mm. Longer than that? And I'm still feeling it. It's the... It's these 30-something-year-old bones. Uh, I'm just saying 30-something. I'm not going the whole hog. But, yeah, uh, still struggling from that. Work's been really busy, so that's kind of been uh, tiring me out as well. Um, yeah, nothing too exciting to talk about, really. It's just been a case of trying to catch up on wrestling and uh, and catch up on sleep. Have, uh, have you been up to anything more exciting than that? No, really, just working a load. But, yeah, I was uh, checking out the Twitter timeline when you guys were all over in Germany. Got to, I was very jealous. It looked like, <laughs> uh, looked like a really fun weekend. But, yeah, like you say, it's hard uh, to keep up with these uh, 4 o'clock finishes back up at 9 a.m. in the morning, isn't it, when you yeah. uh, get to a certain age? <laughs> oh, that's it. This guy was trying to do all the media stuff, trying to keep up with, you know, the, the younger kids who are out there staying out all hours, uh, drinking in the hotel bars uh, till early hours. But it definitely, definitely catches up with yeah, but totally worth it. One of the the best uh, weekends I've ever had at the wrestling. So yeah, I've been I'm paying for it still now. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, not that it, it's not a recommendation. People should definitely do it. Excellent. Well, um, we'll be hearing a bit more about your trip to Germany a bit later in the show. And um, on, moving on to a WWE NXT UK, and after months of waiting and rumours galore of a variety of UK TV deals and uh, names banded about, such as BT Sport, it's finally landed on, yep, you've guessed it, the WWE Network screen on Wednesdays at 8pm UK time. And uh, the, these tapings originally were held in Cambridge at the end of July, and they've also had um, some other tapings in Birmingham at the end of August, and then they've got events coming up in Plymouth and Liverpool. So uh, we opened up, we had a montage of all the British things that uh, WWE likes show us, red phone boxes, <laughs> variety of, uh, you know, big double-decker buses, um, even showed us the old footage of Wembley Stadium. Sadly, we didn't get the uh, British Bulldogs going to win whether he wants to or not, kid. You know, that's always funny seeing that one. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so a decent opening there. But, oh, my God, this track by, was it Asteroid Boys? It's oh, God. <laughs> absolute trash. That sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a 90s new metal band vomited up a track and this is what they came yeah. up with. Did we get like the rap remix this time or has that been normal? It's kind of, the song's been a lot around for so long, hasn't it? I was kind of joking on Twitter. I've, I'm almost nostalgic for the Blackpool shows, just listening to it. That's how long ago those shows were. They were almost two years ago. Now it's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, that song's been the one constant, hasn't it, throughout WWE yeah. UK and, and NXT UK. They're, they're certainly uh, getting the money's worth out of that thing and uh, maybe hoping for some uh, some fresh iTunes downloads. Yeah, must be. And um, yeah, on commentary, we had uh, Vic Joseph and uh, Nigel McGuinness. And before we get into the rest of the show, what did you think of this pairing on commentary? Um... I like Nigel McGuinness mm. being on the show. I think, I mean, that's obvious. It's what he was signed for. Again, if you remember, two years ago, <laughs> that was the idea, wasn't it? To get him in for, for the UK shows. Yeah. And since then, he's done, you know, proper NXT. But this is the, it's the 205 Live team, isn't it? And I think 
partly that kind of reduces it already to kind of a secondary we already know it's a secondary brand so that doesn't make it i suppose it doesn't make a huge amount of difference but you know what you're in for with these two um that's kind of the level that we're at i think they're both i mean i think they're both solid uh i think mcginnis is i never really liked him in ring of honor but i've almost enjoyed him more in wwe maybe being a little bit more restrained with some of his references and things like that but yeah, all in all, a good pair. Not a big fan of the green screen they were standing in front of. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they got the, the history of the guys over. They got the characters over. Uh, as I'll say, a few things about this first show. Certainly better than ITV World of Sports. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we can uh, tick that one off the box straight away. <laughs> yeah, this was infinitely better for uh, for everything than ITV World of Sport. And a uh, great venue. I mean, they have they have been doing a good job mm. of going around the country finding these sort of like old-style venues. I mean, the Corn Exchange in Cambridge looked looked pretty good on, not as good as the Blackpool venue, but still looked pretty good on, on TV, didn't it? It did. I mean, it looked best in the wide shots because mm. it's just, it's a beautiful, big, tall building with a tall roof. Some sides of the ring looked like they had about four seats in front of some brickwork and you could pretty much make out the individual bits of brickwork. <laughs> you were kind of so close to the wall. Such a weird, narrow building, isn't it? But no, that certainly didn't hurt. It did look good in it. It gave it a, a unique presentation, didn't it? It made it feel very uniquely British as opposed to the normal venues that uh, WWE would usually use. Yeah, yeah, it's, it does make it very unique compared, like you just know it there, compared to like the arena setup, which mm. is uh, what we usually see from WWE. But um, on to match one, we had Mark Andrews taking on Joe Coffey, um, who was accompanied by his brother Mark, and this was a continuation of the last WWE UK event at the Royal Albert Hall, which saw the Coffey brothers uh, lay waste to Andrews, and... Um, Joel saw Joel from a suplex referee in this one, and uh, Coffee boss Mandrews start off with, didn't he? I mean, I thought this is. Um, I've not always been the biggest fan of Joe Coffee. I've seen a lot of him in ICW, and he's he's always hit and miss with me. But this is uh, the best I, I think I've seen him. He get got a lot of power moves in, um, looked great in in his victory, especially that discus lariat. I thought that looked quite spectacular, and I thought decent opening here. And obviously, uh, Mark Andrews got in quite a lot of decent offense. You know, mm. showcase some of his uh, high-flying abilities. That's it, yeah. Andrews is someone, I mean, I think both men look good. It was a solid match. It was very much a WWE match with a, a big heel, smaller face, another heel on the outside, all the tropes. But yeah, I thought Andrews, especially out of the two, did look good. Um, I do kind of feel like we're a little bit spoiled. You see a lot of Mark Andrews mm. everywhere, don't you? Including, you know, his brief run in TNA. He feels a little bit exposed. Maybe that's part of the issue with, with him for me because I, I always forget just or how good he is you yeah. see him in a match like this and you kind of i try and watch it i'm thinking well what about the people who've never seen these guys before watching this for the first time and to see i know mark andrews has done, has done a bit on wwe tv and people might be a bit familiar with him from impact but i could imagine fresh eyes to be blown away by andrews and we just kind of forget you know on the indies because we've seen so much of him how special he is how good his flying is how good he is as an underdog he slots really well into the wwe style made up when WWE signed him way back when he got released from Impact, and yeah, this is why he belongs on this brand. Uh, hopefully, like I say, there'll be a, a new audience there who maybe haven't seen him, you know, quite as much as maybe somebody like me has. But all in all, yeah, really good. Uh, I like the the Coffee Brothers as a combo were okay. I kind of, you know, you mentioned there, you know, that they attacked uh, Andrews and Banks and they showed the recap video. Until they showed the recap video, 
I did not remember that had happened at all. <laughs> like I'd completely forgotten uh, pretty much anything from the, the previous taping so far. So that was a, a good reminder for me that they did that there. But yeah, all in all, a, a solid opener. Uh, not particularly spectacular, but uh, a very like WWE version of, of what you'd expect you know, this match to be anywhere else. So yeah, kind of ticked all the boxes and, uh, and just a, a solid way to start the show, I thought. And then it ended up with uh, both the uh, Coffee Brothers uh, beating down Mark Andrews, and uh, Flash Morgan Webster came to make the save, and he was sort of battering everyone with his uh, his mod helmet. And uh, isn't I always I, I always forget because obviously Flash now has been playing like the a heel as part of the one nine eight one nine eight rather in progress, hasn't he? <laughs> and and that the character's been at quite at the forefront of progress storylines over the yeah. summer. So yeah, it was an interesting scene playing the babyface again here. Yeah, it is hard because there is so many progress guys here, not to think of it as an extension of progress. So we're going to have that problem with Travis Banks. We have that problem with, I think, with Eddie Dennis. I wasn't quite sure on his, on his promo that aired after this, whether he was leading face or heel. Uh, yeah, it's easy to forget that stuff, isn't it? It doesn't quite flow with what's happening um, elsewhere. But yeah, it's its own universe, so uh, I can forgive it. They seem to like Flash Morgan Webster. Um, I certainly think he's better in the babyface roles. So yeah, uh, I guess we'll see where that one goes. Well, we mentioned it there. After this match, we had a VT from Eddie Dennis, all suited and booted, and he said he started out his career. They showed a lot of old pictures with him, with Pete Dunne and Mark Andrews, saying that he just wanted to have fun, but now it's serious. I mean, do you think this is going to be a similar character to what we've seen in progress, that he's going to be coming in as a, a sort of bad guy here? It did feel like there were tinges of it, didn't it? Do you think mm. maybe we're reading into it because we know the, mm. because he cut so many good promos like that in progress and it feels like there's a bit of a heel tint to it, maybe reading too much into it. It, it was, it was a very down the middle promo, wasn't it? It was a hard one to work out. It'd be a bit weird to go down the, the Eddie Dennis, Mark Andrews roost as progress have done. Um, so soon after that, I've not paid a huge amount of attention to the spoilers, so I'm watching this relatively spoiler-free. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting if they, yeah, if they copied Progress and did the same thing, but Eddie Dennis is so good as a heel, and that feud, you know, as far as promos and everything, has been so good, I suppose. I can't blame them. If anything, I'd find it a bit weird, you know, like you said, with Flash Morgan Webster then, to, to see Eddie Dennis as a babyface now, just because I'm so used to how good he's been as a heel this year. When I first saw it, when he first came on the screen in his suit, I thought we were going to get the standard, oh, I used to be a head teacher, and I gave it up for my dream of wrestling. I thought we were going down that oh, route, but God. sadly, but thankfully, we've, uh, we're not quite going there at least, yet. At least we're getting them, though. Like, again, unlike ITV World of Sport, we're getting a bit of you know promo, a bit of who these people are, yeah. even if it was a bit of a mystery with Eddie Dennis. Uh, and we didn't get too many of the, oh, I grew up fighting on the streets of Wolverhampton type promos as well, so yeah. that's a win as well. No Dan Maloney and the things he's seen this time around, anyway. <laughs> and uh, Mustache Mountain were out next. Massive elevation, probably the biggest pop of the night. And uh, Trent says it's special day, and um, it's the biggest day in British professional wrestling history. I mean, that's, that's quite the claim, <laughs> wasn't it? progress there. Yeah. I mean, wasn't, wasn't it the biggest day last week? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I suppose <laughs> this was recorded a while ago, so yeah, used it. maybe it's not quite shade of progress, but interesting word. Yeah, and the crowd chanted UK, um, usual babyface 
promo. I mean, we've seen better from Trent in other promotions, haven't we? I mean, Tyler mm. says there's going to be an NXT UK Tag Team Championship unveiled sometime soon, and uh, Tyler says there's no other tag teams. I mean, obviously, Mr. Kofi Brothers uh, beforehand. Um, <laughs> um, people need to start buddying up for when the NXT UK tag belts are unveiled, and uh, Trent says it's our brand and our NXT UK very much as Triple H go home kind of rallying <laughs> NXT from him, wasn't it? Yeah, it felt a little bit pointless because, again, the, the big news coming out of the last lot of tapings is them unveiling the, the actual belts themselves. Um, so, yeah, a little bit weird. And, and, again, a weird thing that they haven't really got tag teams, although, yeah, maybe maybe uh, Trent was in the shower when uh, the Coffee Brothers were, were out there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad they gave most of the mic work to Trent, at least. Uh, Tyler, I would just keep the microphone away from uh, for now. Uh, but yeah, solid kind of promo work. They came out, they looked like stars. That was one thing I'd say. I, I almost thought I might have put them out until the content was a little bit lacking. I might have even put them out first just because you got that star mm. reaction to Mustache Mountain. I mean, the the biggest stars on this brand, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, they came across as stars. They got, they got the points across. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a, an empty segment, I'd say. And match number two, so uh, Dave Mastiff take on Sid Scala. And um, Sid Scala, um, I've only seen him wrestle a few times, but he seems to have had a complete change since uh, I saw him last. He seems to usually have a gimmick of uh, the Cockney Wide Boy. Lots sort of taken from the Del Boy character from Only Fools and Horses and usually wrestles for the likes of uh, IPW. And um, he seemed to be having a completely different look here, but he was essentially just cannon fodder for uh, the bomber Dave Mastiff here. <laughs> wasn't he you bossed him all over bomber aces and eights dave mastiff i mean <laughs> yeah scarla was just i don't even know why they bother giving him an entrance it's like like you say it's the only fools and horses type stuff that he usually does isn't it mm. um kind of weird that he yeah he was just the, he was the faceless dude getting beaten up by mastiff uh, i suppose it, it gave us a bit of a red herring because i did think oh we're getting a, an actual match and we didn't we got a squash we got a fun squash i don't know what i mean I think people, there are other people higher on Dave Mastiff than me. Uh, I feel it's very late in the day to get excited for a big Dave Mastiff run. Uh, I do believe, you know, the bits I've heard from the tapings that he, as this monster, he does get over. People enjoy a good squash. So, you know, it's a it's a good slot to, to have someone in on a card. Uh, I'm not hugely excited, though, for where it leads. Dave Mastiff in big matches feels like something I stopped getting excited about in 2013. Um, but you know he, he's put his time in on the British Indies. I can't uh, can't hate on it. You know someone like him getting the payday and getting the shot. And yeah, maybe maybe I'll be wrong. And and there's life in a in, in a Dave Mastiff yet. Um, but yeah, I'm not particularly excited. Yeah, well, I, I don't mind seeing him in this sort of monster heel role and sort of like, you know, if he's having squash matches like this every week. Like you say, he, he doesn't seem to be as prolific as he once was. He no. used to be the go-to guy in Red Pro for uh, the big New Japan matches, didn't he? I remember he took like Machine mm. Gun Carl Anderson and a few other people on. And then he, he doesn't seem to be as prolific uh, taking as many bookings, does he? But it will be interesting to see um you know, in, in back in a more high-profile role. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure it's too late in the day for him. I think maybe he, he would be good in this role. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see on, on future episodes. But we uh, went to the back and we had a, a, a Blue Peter presenter interviewing uh, Nina Samuels. And this was weird because I've seen Nina yeah. Samuels do some great promos and, you know, have some great character work in the ring for people like Pro Wrestling Eve. But this promo just seemed terribly forced didn't it 
Yeah, it was a bit rough and it was in a weird set and it was backstage in front of like a wall that looked like it was falling <laughs> apart. Yeah, it, I mean, I, I appreciated the idea. I think it's good to, again, fair show, get some promos out there, understand who people are. Um, it looked like she shoot was about to go out for a match. Maybe that was the wrong time to do the promo mm. in hindsight. Uh, but yeah, not a lot of substance there for her. And yeah, definitely not the, the poise that you'd, uh, you'd usually expect. And she was up against Tony Storm. I mean, they didn't really mention it, but this was for the uh, to progress in the NXT Women's Title Tournament, wasn't it? Yes, I think so. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really make too big of a deal of it after the match was over, did they? Obviously, think... Tony Storm picked up the win. It wasn't it wasn't much in this match, was it? Yeah, I mean, I didn't catch it if that's what they said, and I don't know if they should advertise it too loudly because the NXT Women's Champion, whoever that might be is going to be on the big women's pay-per-view that WWE have got coming up at the end of the week. Um, so that's a bit weird, isn't it? We're going to be watching all these tapings as they try and crown a, a women's champion when the women's champion is going to appear on, on the next mm. big WWE show. Um, <laughs> so that's a little bit weird. Yeah, it's a weird one. But um, yeah, not much in this match at all. As the Tony Storm picked that- up the win with the Storm Zero. So, yeah, move on to uh, match number four, which was Pete Dunne taking on Noam Dar and... I originally saw this match way back in 2014 at the uh, Rushcliffe Arena in Nottingham for Southside, <laughs> and they had an absolute stinker. I think it was when <laughs> Pete Dunne was still wearing his jean shorts as part of a flips and forearms, yeah, and it, it was dreadful. But happily, this was completely different. Obviously, both guys are uh, a lot more accomplished performers now. And uh, crowding in, happy birthday to Noam Dar. I mean, some fantastic selling from Pete Dunne. Dar was mainly uh, focusing on his knees wasn't he knocking him off the ropes a couple of times and uh, yeah really working over the knee some great comebacks from Dunn I mean the the big move in this one was that brutal uh, release fisherman suplex on the apron I thought that was quite uh, wince inducing oh yeah it was uh, there was a lot of good wince inducing moments in this the the stomp by Pete Dunn on that on my hand and Noam Dar I know it was worked but that kind of made me shiver a little bit as well um, yeah, I, I, overall as a match, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very, just a very good, you know, maybe just less than four star TV main event, uh, mm-hmm. maybe three, three quarters, something like that. I don't love Noam Dar. Um, I never liked him on the Indies. I've not enjoyed him on 205 Live. Uh, I think because he was so, he was good, very young. Um, he got a lot of ex- expectation on his shoulders and I don't think he's ever really lived up for it. That said though, I think, a slot on NXT UK is good for him. Um, there's not a huge amount else he's got going on aside from the 205 Live stuff. So it's a good role for him. And he did look good here. It was a really good match. I think that uh, Pete Dunn's someone who, again, you you don't often see this version of him on the Indies, do you? Uh, he's very much, he'll be buried in British Strong Style six mans or tag yeah. matches. You'll get Comedy. the odd exactly yeah doing a lot of comedy you know teaming with millie mckenzie you'll get the odd big match like you know like a big occasion like progress wembley but i i'd be made up to see big pete on like matches like this you know every few weeks just defending the belt against maybe another 205 live type guy or somebody they've got lying around an nxt i think that'd be fun for done because i kind of going in genuinely thought you know, the last lot of tapings, I thought they were going to put the belt on Gibson. I really did. I thought they'd go with a, a fresh look for this series and go with Zach Gibson as the heel champion. But in hindsight, I kind of like this. If we're going to get matches like this with, you know, with Pete Dunne, you know, pulling out the full work rate match. You know, there's a lot of Dar working over the knee. And as I mentioned before, a lot of Dunne working over the fingers of Noam Dar. A, a very technical match and a very almost indie feeling match with the double down and a, a couple of big near falls as well. And, 
that big um, door reversal of the bitter end into the knee bar. I, I kind of got me up off my couch as well. Um, big Pete Dunlatches like that can can really go a long way. And I think yeah, if they if they have a few of these uh, across the tapings, then yeah, you're onto a winner. I think Pete Dunn, similar to Mustache Mountain earlier on, really looked like a star here. Noam Dar was never winning, but at the same time, he did his job. Um, and again, a, a solid defence from Dunn. And yet, the, probably the match most people are going to remember um, from this first episode, the abiding memory, and, and a really good one at that. Yeah, I did uh, quite enjoy this first episode. It's good that it's only an hour. It's, uh, you know, we had a, a good main event, some decent undercard stuff. And um, yeah, like you say, it would be good if we had some great Pete Dunn matches on every week and yeah just just a decent show all over overall enjoyed it I mean they didn't really tee up much for next week they announced that we're going to get Tyler Bate v Wolfgang yeah, um, <laughs> I think you summed it up there perfectly. <laughs> Tyler Bates, the wrestler they've outright said there's a tag wrestler area on the first episode. Yeah, that didn't didn't totally draw me in. I'm not a Wolfgang guy. People are, there are people who are, so you know your mileage may vary. Yeah, that did make make me hugely excited. I suppose that is the yeah, that's the one negative, isn't it? You didn't you didn't really set much up for for week two. Um, I think they did the fundamentals well. I think, you know, again, getting some of the characters over was a good shout. The matches felt like they had breathing space. It just felt like a a solid, easy watch. Um, I think the only negative from me, I mean, this is the the fourth time that they're relaunching this brand. Mm -hmm. This is like the fourth first episode, isn't it? We had the original tournament. We had Norwich. We had the last lot of tapings that we got as specials, and now we've got this. It just doesn't feel very urgent. Um, we're, we're a long way behind on tapings that they've got in the can. It doesn't feel hugely important. It feels like the type of thing, if you've got a busy week, if you're not people like us who are you know, going to be talking about it on a podcast, are you going to really watch it every week? Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I, the timeline on Twitter didn't feel particularly busy. I just hope that there's takeovers, maybe to keep it interesting. You're a big takeover every now and then in the uk would would keep it interesting for me because yeah as a as a week-to-week show solid but yeah there wasn't anything that made me urgently feel like i should i should watch a week two you think we're still all basing this on what itv are going to be doing i mean if they are getting a second series next year then this nxt uk thing is going to keep trundling on but if itv gets cancelled then it's going to be quietly forgotten about I think potentially i mean i kind of i laughed at people doing conspiracy theories say well rev pro's running on friday and you know rev pro got their tv show coming up on friday but the more i think about it, it's like you know think about our last show when we recorded there was no indication this was happening was there and in yeah. that short amount of time they've announced they're going to be on tv and it's two days before rev pro's tv <laughs> uh maybe again maybe that's tinfoil hat stuff that's the way i looked at it at first but yeah, I think it all does depend on ITV. Um, they've got a lot in the can, though. I think this is just something they're going to let happen. Uh, they're going to—they got a lot of wrestlers on the contract. It gives them something to do. Um, again, doesn't feel hugely must watch. Does feel in some ways like it's there for for some bad reasons. Um, but you know, it's a—it's a lot of UK wrestlers getting spotlights, um, and a, you know, again, a, a place that. You know, you can watch British wrestlers easily weekly. Uh, I don't think it's going to stop me going to live shows. I don't think it's going to kill the indies anytime soon. Um, but it's just WWE making sure that they've got some form of foot in the UK scene. Um, I, I think it just, yeah, it just feels a little bit late. It feels like, again, we've got so much of this in the can. It feels like they could have launched this months ago. Uh, obviously, they didn't, whether that's ITV or them shopping to TV partners or what. Um, but that does hurt it in some way. It does just feel like a maybe secondary programming for, for WWE. But 
again, the, there are things they could do to uh, to make it feel a bit more important, and and takeovers might be one. Yeah, that, that's all it feels like. It's not going to be an unmissable show, is it? But it's going to be an inoffensive hour to watch every week with some enjoyable wrestling on it. But do you think that's all it'll ever be, NXT UK? Just this, like you say, just WWE having a foothold on the UK scene? Yeah, I think that's what it is. It's kind of a, a way to get themselves into Europe. I could see them open. There's, I think it was in the Observer this week. They're still talking about uh, doing a performance center out here. It's a way of recruiting talent. It's a way of, you know, getting people under contract but not paying too much no. for them, uh, and a way of just keeping maybe the scene on ice a little bit and stopping other indies from being able to use their guys like Rev Pro's TV on Friday. Uh, it's just yeah, it's a very WWE is just stockpiling so much talent at the moment. Not just NXT UK, that NXT proper roster is so bloated. The main roster is so bloated. Um, it's just I think yeah, but maintaining something of a of a foothold in the market and yeah if things go further with itv they can maybe step on the gas a little bit um you know if any other competitors turn up they can step on the gas a little bit but yeah it doesn't feel like it's the the most important of the brands in fact it, it certainly feels like the the least to me uh even if yeah the tv was solid Yes, it's interesting. Pete Dunne's been all over nxt nxt tv the last few months hasn't he so yeah he should be on Raw. Tony Storm should be on Raw. Mustache Mountain should be on at least on NXT every mm. week. Yeah, it's kind of while it's a positive for a lot of the dudes, for them it's almost a bit of a negative, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure they enjoy working the Indies and stuff and giving the the UK a, a bit of a name, but yeah, the, that's Pete Dunne especially, someone who should be on Raw. Yeah, definitely. So it will be interesting to see where we go with the the few episodes. Like I noted earlier, they've just uh, done a weekend in Plymouth, and then uh, they're coming to your hometown, Benno, in November. Are you, are you interested in having a weekend at NXT UK? Uh, not a weekend. <laughs> Maybe one of the days. Uh, I've got I've, I've got it in my diary. I've got a lot of shows coming up. Uh, it won't be it won't be a priority for me. Um, has that sold out? I don't believe it has. No, I don't uh, think any of them sold out. Cause I know it, Trent in his promo said that Royal Albert Hall was sold out, and I don't think it was at all. <laughs> no, there you go. That's wrestler speak, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's yeah. I think it's the fact that the brand isn't particularly exciting right now. Um, so yeah, uh, when it when it was all first announced, I was thought, oh, yeah, I'll go to that, and maybe I'll, I'll still go to to give a live report for this podcast but yeah as a fan i can't say i'm hugely excited and yeah, i'll probably wait nearer the time to to see what's happening with it and to see maybe what other companies are running around and then i might uh, might spend my money on and um just before we get into something else i mean you know it about the red pro tv and obviously that airs on friday first episode of that and they released trail this week on free sports and uh it was interesting to see red pro with some slick production values behind it wasn't it yeah, it certainly looked good. Was it Rev Pro? They didn't mention it in the video. <laughs> <laughs> they just kept saying World of Pro Wrestling, didn't they? That's a bit weird. Um, they didn't. I mean, the Rev Pro logo is all over the apron, all over the. I think Andy Quilder has made the made sure that you can't watch that show without knowing it's Rev Pro. Mm. But a bit weird. The free sports don't mention Rev Pro in the tweet yeah. and don't mention Rev Pro in the trailer. It's just purely. Is it World of Pro Wrestling? Is that the that's the title? Yeah, something uh, they, like that, isn't it? I think it's maybe because Revolution Pro Wrestling doesn't jump out at you if you, yeah. you're just wrestling. They wanted it to like scream wrestling at you. Well, Five Star was dominant wrestling, wasn't it? Before mm. Free Sports got the hands on it, and they became Five Star Wrestling. So maybe that's uh, I don't know. There's something in that too. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like I say, it's a good advert for for Rev Pro. I'm sure that the comment the commentary team are a Rev Pro team. They'll be bigging up rev pro the whole way through uh but yeah the footage looked look really good uh, i'm excited to see how that how that things worked out because yeah rev pro's production is not the best they don't always run the best venues and when they do they're not particularly lift very well but 
yeah, York all looked uh, particularly nice, so I'm looking forward to watching that on Friday. So on the last episode, uh, we previewed the huge WXW Tag League Weekender and Benno. You headed over to Oberhausen, as we discussed at the start of the show, for a full weekend of wrestling. Four days, was it? What were some of the highlights from World Tag League this year? There was a lot. Uh, yeah, it, was a, it was an incredible weekend. Uh, again, I would highly recommend uh, people heading out. It seems to be a thing. There's a lot of a lot yeah. of British and Irish people uh, heading out as well as other nationalities. Uh, my first trip out to Germany was Carrot earlier this year. And I think, yeah, Carrot next year is going to be even more. There is at least we went to play. Uh, there was a game of bowling where the wrestlers were involved. The, the Oberhausen Open. Uh, fans were involved and it was mainly the British and Irish fans and there were at least 40 to 50 of us and, and plenty more who didn't even come to the bowling so kind of doing a, a bit of a mini takeover at Germany at the moment so you had a, a wrestlers and fans team didn't you I mean it ended up being won by uh, Mark Davis from Odyssey Open and uh, Brother Mort they did they won I, I was teaming up with Julian Nero Monster Consulting we thought we'd won at one point we, were, we got overconfident <laughs> we were doing very well we finished fourth but yeah my brother Mort uh, managed to pull through with Mark Davis. Yeah, that was kind of a, a weird sight. That's something you wouldn't have, have happened in any other wrestling weekend at a fans and wrestlers bowling tournament. I believe there'll be a sequel for Carrot as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what the, a lot of what the weekend's about. It's, it's just a, a great fan experience. You know, things like that, things like the after parties, um, things just like Again, there being so many wrestling shows to get through, you know, uh, things like they did, they did like a, a day of. Uh, quote unquote shotgun tapings there's the femme fatale tournament which is a women's tournament as well there's so much to do over the weekend it's it's one of those things yeah if you can't afford to maybe head out to a big wrestlemania weekend this is a nice little you know mini version of that like a european yeah. version with with lots going on so i'd highly recommend it and um, i mean as far as highlights go across the weekend i think the big Probably the big story, apart from the tournament, which I'll talk about in a minute, uh, Ilya Dragunov and Bobby Guns had a, a singles match that kind of uh, toured the internet with a few videos of it. They, yeah. Initially, it was supposed to be um, supposed to be a three-way match involving Absolute Andy, um, who, who is their champion at the moment, as, as Ollie previewed. Uh, Absolute Andy was out with a shoulder injury, so we went with a singles match between two baby faces, which isn't something you, you see a lot with, with WXW. And the to say the crowd was split was an understatement. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced in live wrestling. Uh, there was a, a crew of, of Bobby Guns fans doing the Guns, Bobby Guns chant. And there were a crew of Ilya fans just responding with a loud chant of Ilya. And it, it kind of went on for about five minutes, you know, after the, the bell rang. And then it just carried on going. And it got to about 15, 20 minutes. And the dueling chant was still going. It was one of the most... <laughs> surreal things i've ever been a yeah. part of watching wrestling i was touring the building taking videos and just taking it in from every angle because it was actually quite hard to take in the match itself it was a bit weird it was it was like watching a match in a vacuum happening because nothing the wrestlers were doing was directly being responded to by the crowd and that might hurt for some people i know that hurt your enjoyment in a match you might say well the fans have taken over and the wrestlers on it on you know yeah. in charge of the fan reaction but as far as a moment and something to be there live for, yeah, it was, it really was something that I don't think anyone in the building will ever forget. And I've, I've seen videos since, and it come, the atmosphere comes across really loud, but it was definitely loud uh, in that building. Uh, yeah, I saw almost... some of those videos. It, it did seem mm. like I can, Im I mean, obviously the videos are only a minute long or whatever, but you know, I can't, I can imagine that going on for like fifteen minutes, and it, like, like you said, you, it would be impossible to concentrate on the match, but also quite a. 
you know, something very different because I don't think there's that. I've never seen that in a match before. Yeah, that was the thing. It was almost like the fans were taking shifts. Like, <laughs> people, you, people would like take a, a couple of chants off to rest and then rejoin in with the with the group. Um, it, I mean, it was very much, you know, there were two hard sides. It wasn't like there was anybody chanting for both sides. In, in part, I actually almost felt bad for the wrestlers. It felt like there were points where the wrestlers, like, not even felt like, there were definitely points where the wrestlers were trying to get the, the fans to stop. Bobby Guns, I think he had a, a, he wanted to do the Marty Scale finger break spot and he was trying to quiet the fans so that we could hear it. And people just weren't interested in quieting. <laughs> um, the rest, I, I think the wrestlers handled it well enough. They did look a little bit flustered at the start. Uh, I think they, they looked very glad that it stopped for the closing stretch. Uh, and then at least we got kind of the near falls. Um, we got like the, the natural reaction to that and the natural reaction to Ilya Dragunov winning the, the interim title belt. That's a fun thing. I love that WXW do that, putting an interim title belt in yeah. line, just like uh, like UFC do, just as long as they don't do it as often as yeah. UFC do. <laughs> you um, don't want a million interim champions, would you? Exactly, yeah. But one works. And yeah, yeah, we got the natural reaction to that. So it was cool. But yeah, I would... You know, I've seen people go as high as five stars, and I certainly wouldn't go that that far. I don't really even know what I'd rate the thing <laughs> just being there. It just it was such a novelty, a, yeah. a real novelty. Yeah, something that I think people should should dig out and check out, and something that yeah, I think uh, if WXW followed the lead of any other promotions, this should, this whole match should be uh, on YouTube for free. I think uh, people should definitely check it out. Yeah, it's something I imagine you'd want to see, you know, be there live for, and something that's quite special for one match, but it would get quite annoying if it was for every mm. single match. Yeah, that's it. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to see too many. Um, I don't know, copycats uh, mm. doing this or, or other indies. <laughs> it was, it was a one-off, very special thing with two very beloved baby faces. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, hopefully, it, it will remain that way and just remain this one special thing that happens as just a just a coincidence of the of the two of them being left in a match that was supposed to be a three-way. But yeah, yeah it was a very special night i suppose uh, another highlight of the weekend then uh, i mean uh, like i say that was the night two main events so yeah the fans uh, they weren't exhausted enough from that across the weekend really i think the biggest highlight and again we talked about it in the preview was the the two blocks i think the the a block going into this i mean they do it in you know champions league style where you know where everybody faces everybody you know g1 style but there's only four teams in each block and the a block of Ring Camp, Lucha Brothers, Okami, and CCK looked like it was going to be the star block going in, and it really was. I mean, I I would struggle across the weekend to name a match from that block that, that wasn't at least a four-star match. It was mm. just that good. Um, and those four teams are so good. Uh, I mean, uh, Okami, you know, Daichi Hashimoto and Kamatani are wrestlers that I wasn't hugely familiar with going in. Um, I was aware of them, but I'd not seen a huge amount of them. And then by the time it got to, I think it was, yeah, it was night three when they had a match with Ringkampf. I couldn't have been more excited for that match. You know, just two teams of yeah. of big lads dropping bombs. I made sure I was on the floor for that thing as well, just because I wanted to be right there as they were they were lighting each other up with chops. Walter's chest was as red as I've ever seen it. Um, <laughs> Walter, for once, taking taking the beating. He took yeah. a bit of a beating at Pentagon the night before as well. It was probably part of it as well. Uh, just wonderfully, just vicious, and yeah, just uh, one of some of the hardest shots I've seen close up for a match, but. Yeah, as far as uh, you know, the tournament goes, I could say a million good things about all the matches throughout the A block. Ringkampf and the Lucha Brothers had a, a really incredible match. You know, they're two teams who you wouldn't expect would have a huge amount of chemistry. Um, but Phoenix is flying. Pentagon Star Aura, especially 
when he was in there and he was in there with Walter and the kind of the two of them squaring up to each other. They felt like really, really big moments at that point. It was definitely my match of the tournament. Um, but yeah, all of the combos of those four teams, to be honest, really gave something different. I think uh, Ring Camp and CCK was another highlight as well. CCK, this being the, the Jonathan Gresham and Chris Brooks version. The I mean, best I, version, yeah. <laughs> definitely the best version. Yeah. I, I, I'm i not a huge Chris Brooks fan. I, I probably gave him a bit of grief on this show as a, as a singles wrestler because I just don't think he's there. But as a tag wrestler, I've always, you know, not minded him. Uh, it, the Lycos team can maybe go a bit too much into maybe comedy sometimes mm. for me. Maybe that hurts it sometimes. With the blow but, up Lycos and things like that. Yeah, 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 all that stuff. And, you know, Lycos has had his injury issues, but Gresham just as a partner for Chris Brooks, you know, with the hot tags and just the how he can change gears in a match and just the, the off the strings of offense he can put together, the double teams he does with Brooks and just the dynamic of them, you know, is just so much better than any other CCK combinations. That match with Ring Camp I was just mentioning. But I mean the match was pretty much built around uh, Gresham trying to get away from Walter, basically <laughs> hitting him and running away, or Walter trying to body slam him and, and him literally getting hooks in on Walter so Walter couldn't put him down on the ground, you know, playing up to that ridiculous size difference, yeah. but being so creative with it. And yeah, the match with Lucha Brothers was great. The match with Okami was great. For me, this is the this is the proper CCK. I really, their chemistry, just everything about the two of them together. I hope, you know, some more British companies can uh, can book them together. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that Lycos is injured, but... I'd certainly take advantage of it and, and book some more stuff with them together because the yeah they've got such such good chemistry. I take it Pentagon and Phoenix weren't part of the uh, bowling tournament then. No, they didn't. Turn up. <laughs> Unless they were there unmasked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, a couple no, of guys just chatting Spanish in the corner yeah, with those guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe they went to Smallman stand up instead. Maybe Jim Smallman was uh, was running head to head with the bowling. I think that took a bit of a hit from the bowling tournament going on. But yeah, didn't see those lads there. But they did seem to be to be lapping it up and enjoying the atmosphere of being there. Um, so yeah, that was kind of. I mean, the highlight of the of the the tag league was that A block. The B block was more of a. Again, as we previewed, a block of stories. Uh, the mm. winner of the tournament outright came from that side, JFK. Um, who were a team that kind of put together... I think that they're a team where you are not, you can't really expect big work rate matches from them, and that's not really what they're there for. No. You know, I think that Francis Gaspin and Jay Skillet are kind of the character wrestlers, the chicken shit heels. They kind of cheated their way to the final um you know with low blows and double roll-ups and all kinds of shenanigans then winning at the end kind of felt like a bit of a i don't know a bit of a downer a bit of a sad moment but wxw kind of love that stuff they love to they, the same thing happened to Karras uh, when absolute andy won the the carrot tournament there they they've kind of they've said in the past christian michael jacoby but you know before he's taken his break has said before you know you you don't want to eat pudding every night sometimes you know you don't get what you want and WXW are really good at, at selling that tragedy and having a, a big heel win for a tournament like this, maybe getting people down momentarily. But then you think about, OK, eventually they're going to get beat. Eventually, Monster Consultant, who were JFK's big rivals on the first night, they had a match where Monster Consultant even won. You know, they, they won that match, but then lost the next two and didn't make it through to the final, came into the tournament as champions and then lost the belts without actually losing to the people who eventually walked out of the tournament with the belts because the belts are on the line in the tournament. And everyone loves Monster Consulting. They're so yeah. 
lovable, you know, Avalanche is, is a really good big man, but he's got a really, he seems to be getting a really big following, you know, especially with the, with the traveling fans and yeah, you know, Nero, you know, being my bowling partner, I was crying <laughs> a bit of a tear for him as well. But yeah, that tragedy of them losing the belts and, and again, of the JFK heel team who were healing it up all weekend, even in the media press conferences where most of the wrestlers drop character. They refused to, which uh, wasn't a huge fan of that myself. Uh, they seem to just be working the 15 reporters in the room, which isn't great. But I suppose I've got to admire their, their dedication to the bit and their yeah. dedication to the character. And yeah, if people weren't aware of who they were going into the weekend, they'd, uh, they'd certainly be aware of them now. Did um, that also what really caught my eye was this uh, David Starvey Yearn Simmons hair match. Uh, that looked quite uh, quite the spectacle. It really was. It was a brawl. I mean, this. I love a good hair versus hair match. Why don't we get more hair versus hair matches? Yeah, it's weird. They're not, they don't really seem to be a European thing, do they? They mainly <laughs> sort of happen in Mexico or, or the United States. That's it. Yeah, it's and it, I, it, you almost seem to have to wait till you know a wrestler's losing the hair. I remember when Kurt Angle had that hair versus hair match yeah. in WWE, where <laughs> barely had any hair left, so it was quite obvious who was going to lose. I think Yen. I kind of thought that it was obvious David Starr was going to lose until I saw Yen Simmons in person. I was thinking, oh yeah, maybe he's going to. He's losing a little bit on top. I could see him wanting to shave his head as well. Uh, there was a lot of talk as well. Was David Starr if he lost? Was he going to have to shave his body hair as well? Because mm. that would make sense. Because that's where the majority of his, his hair is. And yeah, they, they kind of made light of that in the match as well with Yane Simmons. Uh, kind of waxing David Starr's hair. It was kind of, it was a match with all kinds of six spots. You know, brain busters on chairs, staples, chairs, cane shots. All kinds of stuff in the match. Tacks. But David Starr getting his chest waxed was probably the most hardcore thing I saw all all weekend. Um, so that was kind of impressive. Uh, but yeah, a really good heated grudge match where the vast majority of the fans in, in attendance were were cheering for David Starr. It feels like a very Hasselhoff figure in Germany. Uh, <laughs> getting, a, getting a lot of cheers from the German fans. It was mainly the traveling fans who, for whatever reason, don't seem to like David Starr. Um, but yeah, Yen Simmons is a, is a great heel in WXW. David Starr is a is a great baby face. Uh, it just yeah, it had an, an awesome atmosphere for it, and yeah, awesome payoff as well with Yen Simmons getting his head shaved, and yeah, he turned up to the bowling as well with a with a wig on. Got got to love it. <laughs> Dedication to the gimmick. Um, but yeah, that that thing really worked. As a again, WXW on these big tournaments, as we learned at Carrot and as here, yeah, they do stack it with big matches and this was the main event of night one and yeah, it was definitely a worthy match and a match that a lot of people went away talking about. Well, moving away from the wrestling, Oberhausen as a town sounds uh, quite interesting, especially for uh, travelling fans if you've perhaps not been to Germany before. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit rough. Um, it's not the nicest place to go to. Uh, I managed to lose my bank card while I was out there because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> last time I was out there, I managed to get my get a bus fine. This time, I was so paranoid about using the, the local ticket machines that I managed to leave my bank card behind in a machine. Don't do what I do if you ever travel out there. Uh, but yeah, my stuff apart and... Uh, my mate JP would do the Indie Corner podcast with last time he got all his, all his belongings stolen as well. So maybe not a good habit <laughs> for Oberhausen as a town, but it's worth going just for the wrestling. It really is. Um, like, again, it's it, it the, the Turban and Hall of the WXW running does feel like a bit of a mecca. They're going to be running the bigger building for Carrot. 
Um, so I'd imagine there'll be uh, even more people out there as well. So, yeah, it's not so much about the town. I spent a bit of time in Cologne the day before to get my touristy stuff in. You're not going to get much touristy stuff done in an Oberhausen, but <laughs> yeah. Dusseldorf's up the road, and that's very nice as well. And, yeah, just generally kind of the environment of being out there with so many traveling fans and, you know, doing the meetups and we're all taking care of a lot of, you know, media events, things like there was a media lunch. I was out there covering for Post and Indy. And like I said before, there was a media um, press conference as well. And, and a, spe- a special area for us to stand up and type up our notes and things like that at the live shows too. Uh, it's a really, really, you know, nice place to visit. Um, and it's made that way because of the wrestling, because of how well WXW take care of not just the media but fans in general um but again yeah not a huge amount to do from a from a touristy point of view unless you you're a big fan of the mcdonald's over the road from the turban and hollow which is <laughs> that and the kebab van and burger king are pretty much your your three food choices as well uh, near the venue but yeah all in all still worth it uh, and still a high recommend to to any fan who'd, who's even slightly considering it for for carrot next year you can you can get get out there on a flight for as uh, cheap as it would cost me from liverpool to get the train to london so mm. if that's not a recommendation then i don't know what is yeah certainly they certainly stack these weekends up don't they for a uh, 16 carat and their world tag league and they certainly seem like fantastic weekends i'll definitely have to um head over there myself but um benno i mean while you were uh Jetting off to Germany, um, I took a, a 10 minute tram ride to uh, the Plug Nightclub in Sheffield to check out Defiant Wrestling. They held their fight or flight event on the 11th of October and it was headlined by Defiant Championship match between the returning Rampage Brown against Gabriel Kidd. And, but I don't really think that match was too much to write home about. But there were two cracking matches on the undercard that I definitely recommend people go out of the way to see. Um, first up was Will Ospreay taking on El Fantasmo. Will opened up the match reminding Fantasmo that he's uh, 200 pounds now. So he was uh, bossing him around the ring for the first few moments of the match. But... After that, it gave you everything you'd expect from these two high-flying, innovative reversals galore. I mean, the crowd had been fairly tepid up until this point. I mean, outside of a few annoying twats shouting out really embarrassing things, um, the crowd really woke up for this one. So I definitely recommend watching that one. And then um, another match I'd recommend checking out was uh, Walter against Mark Davis for the Internet Championship. And... Obviously, as everyone knows now, Walter's been having match of the year contenders all over Europe, oh, and yeah, yeah. with Davis as well in progress earlier in the year. I, I kind of appreciate Walt, appreciated Walter's stuff in the ballot as well. He was on Twitter campaigning for fans to vote for Mark Davis to get this opportunity. He must have been a big fan of that first match as well. Well, yeah, definitely, because I was thinking him and Davis are really well matched, and I'm surprised we haven't seen this more. Obviously, you just mentioned there the progress match earlier in the year, and I I thought this one just had the edge over that. Um, I mean, you mentioned it in the WXW report, but I don't think I'll ever get over the wince-inducing chops Walter does, especially witnessing them live in person in such a small venue. And um, Mm. just a thunderous crack they make. I mean, poor old Mark Davis had some chops of his own, but they were nowhere near as uh, thunderous as the ones Walter was doing. So, yeah recommend uh, going out of your way to watch both those matches i mean not much else on the card that's worth talking about but um as a whole i think the defiant might not be the promotion that everyone's talking about but this is 
the third show I've seen from these now, and uh, I think they always deliver. I had a great night. Um, I mean, they have their old storylines interwoven, uh, but they always have um, a few of these great matchups. So Osprey v Phantasmo and Walter V Davis definitely get worth going out of your way to uh, check out. Yeah. I mean, I know we've we've talked about that progress match before, but I, I just think this had more, uh, a bit more, a, a bit more to it, and I think it was slightly longer than the progress match. But yeah, definitely worth checking out. I just feel so sorry for Mark Davis when he's <laughs> doing the return chops and they're not quite having the uh, pop that the other ones have. <laughs> That's the thing. He's kind of the hard hitter, isn't he? He's, of his tag team. And in with Walter, he just looks like a little boy. I, I mean, I was live at the Manchester show and I had the kind of the same feeling coming out of it. It's interesting, yeah, to say it, it had a bit more to it than that match because that's, that's one of, you know, if, if Walter had not had 27 match of the year contenders <laughs> this year, it might have been up there in one of my, my favorite Walter matches. I love the dynamic of them two together. And yeah, you mentioned Defiant getting to that match first. Why haven't Progress gone back for that? Mm. You know, didn't Davis win natural progression? Pretty sure that was a thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Forgotten about now, he's back doing tag team stuff, which is you know it, it, it is his calling card. So I can't I can't get mad at that, but a little bit weird that they haven't gone back to it at some point. Maybe they will, but yeah, they find make a, a habit of that, don't they? They ran Walter Osprey before OTT could. Uh, somebody at Defiance really got the the finger on the pulse, and yeah, they've got a bit of a bad rep from the, the what culture days. But I had a great time in Manchester when I went to their show, and some of it I think feels a little bit undeserved now. They're booking all the right guys and the they're putting them in the right spots and putting together matches like this um, and making them easily accessible as well to, to people that might normally not watch uh, indie wrestling. Yeah, I think Define get a bit of a bad rap sometimes, don't they? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, we had... Um... We had the Jimmy Havoc of, um, of just before the summer in progress, just uh, mm. basically just standing on the open, necking oh, Stellas. <laughs> <laughs> on the as, job, oh, what a define. Yeah, as Mark Haskins did all the work in the ring. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was interesting. But yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend uh, checking out those two shows. And um, I mean, you brought up progress there. And on the last show, uh, you gave us your live review of uh, Hello Wembley. And obviously, it's been well documented now that the show ran long and uh, lots of folks missed the main event of Walter against Tyler Blake, including yourself. Um, but at Soft Progress, you put the match up for free on their on-demand service. So, um, Benno, he missed it in the building, but caught up now. I thought this was uh, one of the best Progress matches I've ever seen. I certainly, I mean, um, you know, Walter might have a formula to his matches, but it's something that you uh, enjoy seeing time after time, isn't it? That's it, yeah. You can never get sick of Walter and his style. I just think, yeah, it, it had some similarities to the Devlin match, the, the finish especially, you know, with Walter uh, kind of grabbing him out of nowhere and, and dropping him on his head like he like he did to Devlin uh, in similar style. But it just works as a story. Walter is such a such a great big bad. And yeah, watching this back on the VOD made me so sad that I wasn't there live in person because... You know, Tyler Bates, somebody came in, the build for this match was pretty terrible. Mm. His promos going into the match were pretty terrible. But I always kind of thought at the back of my head, this has got a chance to be an absolutely, you know, fantastic match. And it, I suppose it was always going to be because it was. And I think a lot of that was was due to Bates as well. You know, credit where it's due is a serious underdog babyface, a, a role that he's best suited to, but a role that we don't see a lot of him in progress when he's, pretending to be conor mcgregor and the telling you that he's boy. pretending to be conor mcgregor mm. yeah all that <laughs> it's a good meme for online it's a good thing to put on t-shirts but it doesn't make you a main event for their biggest show ever however 
when it came to the match itself and the in-ring, he looked every bit that main eventer. And yeah, just the way he took Walter's offense, the way Walter kind of went out of his comfort zone, you know, going up to the top rope and then things like that because he was struggling to put this plucky underdog, underdog Tyler away. It worked so well for me as a match and they did a good job of kind of saving the big moves for near the end, you know, Tyler managing to get get Walter up, uh, you know, with a deadlift German, you know, because he's very, very, he's a strong boy, uh, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah, he's very, he's very strong and he can pull out those big spots and they got a, a huge reaction, not just from the crowd there that I unfortunately wasn't part of, but from me at home as well. Uh, lots of just, yeah, great big man, little man stuff, you know, nods to Vader and Cactus Jack in the match as well. Lots of just, I think it, it felt like a main event deserving of the occasion. Um, it just felt like a, a match that should headline, you know, Wembley. I didn't expect Walter to be in this position with progress at the start of the year, but I'm so glad that he's there. I'm so glad that he won as well. I, yeah. I wouldn't have, I think if Tyler had won this, it just wasn't the time for it. I, I could get a big show like this wanting to have a happy ending but as we just talked about with wxw there's nothing wrong with a bit of a, a sad ending every now and then um and yeah walter is as dominant champion if he's gonna again you know this match might have been a little bit similar to the devil of match but i didn't really care at the end of the day as long as he keeps putting matches like this together um yeah i'm looking forward to to who else uh progress match him up with as well well, yeah, his next defense of the Progress Championship is against uh, Zack Sabre Jr. I can see him uh, winning that one as well. I can't see uh, Zack having the time to be uh, defending the Progress belt on, on every show. But um, where do you see uh, Progress going from here? I mean, obviously, there's always the rumors of Walter uh, heading over to WWE. I mean, do you, do you see uh, Walter holding the belt until next year, at least? Yeah, I suppose even if he does, he can keep the belt going. Yeah. Uh, he's like the... He's the safe choice all the promotions are going for as well, though, because he is someone that you'd expect to remain independent, at least. That's where my money is with Walter. I, I don't see him going any, signing any contracts anytime soon with the style he works and hopefully with the, the goals he seems to make clear he has on, you know, the likes of Instagram talking about wanting to work New Japan. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Walter being in this unique position, I hope they keep the belt on him. I hope. If he doesn't sign for WWE, they, they they don't go and and put it on a on a WWE guy. Um, because yeah, I think that's probably the way forward. Keep the belt on Walter, and then a big baby face at some point. Whether it's Tyler, if you build him up a bit more, or someone we're not even thinking of, you know, beats him eventually, like a super strong style weekend or a, another otherwise big show. I think that's the direction to go. But yeah, it's really difficult to kind of predict what progress are doing at the moment because this was. They paid off a lot of stuff on this show. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of, you know, things to continue on with going forward. Uh, a lot of wrestlers in in weird positions. You know, what do you do next with Pete Dunne in progress? He's kind of done everything. Uh, you got Ilya Dragunov in there. You can do some more stuff with him. Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis felt like it was kind of finished uh, at this show. Although, again, as I said on on our last show, I do hope they get a rematch at some point. Um, yeah, kind of hard to know where to go. I think we're going to get a few progress shows where it's just going to be you know fun matches maybe not a lot of story stuff they do seem to take the fuss off the gas a little bit after these big shows and sometimes that delivers you some of the the funner progress shows of the year other than when they're wrapped up with their stories with the z as our friend ollie would say <laughs> um so maybe we'll we'll get a bit more of that uh, and then they can start getting themselves in shape for, for super strong style next year but yeah the, the specter of nxt uk is always going to be looming large they outright avoid booking shows on NXT UK weekends, mainly because, well, the Progress owners are going to be busy that weekend, and so are a lot of their roster. 
So I think a lot of the next year of progress is going to be booked around that, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, this was a big show. It left me feeling a bit more positive on progress, um, mainly the wrestlers in the ring, in ring, because you can always rely on them. Um, but yeah, bit of a bit of a mystery going forward. It's, it's hard to really to to predict uh, exactly where progress are going. Um, yeah, I've got a question for you. You mentioned it a couple of times there, Super Strong Style 16, and obviously we've had a different winner of that every year, and it's always kind of seemed uh, quite obvious who might go on and win it. Obviously, we had, you know, your likes of Travis Banks, Xavier Jr., Will Ospreay all win it. I mean, is there anyone coming up that you can see winning next year's? Because I'm, I'm kind of flummoxed for who, who could possibly win it next year. I don't know if they want to go with Banks again. He could make his big comeback. Um, I'm not quite sure. I think David Starr's got a big singles running him in mm. progress. That's something I'd do if I was booking. Um, Mark Davis, was, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I mean, you want to do that as your open tag team, but as we talked about with that Walter match, there's there's probably money in a Mark Davis run. Maybe maybe I wouldn't go that far with him. I'm not sure I'd give him some super strong style. Yeah, no one usually you know comes to mind unless like a Chuck Mambo lights it up over the next six mm-hmm. months and puts himself in that position. Obviously, Travis Banks on Wembley, you know, announced himself as part of the tournament. Uh, so maybe maybe they go back to to Travis Banks in some form. Yeah, nobody's uh, immediately emerging as, as as who it would would be really. There's nobody who's kind of, you know, you'd say is bubbling under like like Travis was a couple of years ago yeah. where you'd say okay, that's clearly the, the the direction they're gonna go, but there's a lot of time between now and then. I thought at last Super Strong Style he's been missing for progress, but Jordan Devlin looked like the star that he is finally in progress. So if they can get some more bookings of Jordan Devlin, maybe he's somebody you could go with as well. Um, but yeah, it kind of it does seem to be a bit of a in some ways an open book with progress right now, although a bit of a closed shop as far as you know who they can actually get in. Um, but yeah, they seem to me to be maybe the most likely names. Yeah, if they, yeah, certainly if they wanted to um, sort of like have a great uh, babyface champion run, you know, you know, doing a carbon copy of what OTT have done with Jordan Devlin would certainly be the way to go on that one, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, they usually copy Fight Club Pro, so yeah, maybe we can go for copy OTT. Yeah. <laughs> no harm in that. And, uh, so just uh, to wrap us up here, we've got a, a few news news items. Uh, we were hoping to cover the Red Pro Global War show that happened this past Sunday, Sunday rather, but it's not quite arrived on demand yet as of recording this. But it seemed Will Ospreay picked up an injury at the show in his match against Chris Ridgway, and uh, reports uh, said he landed awkwardly off a Pele kick and uh, was seemingly rushed to the back after the match, and he's subsequently te- to, uh, sorry, tweeted out that he's doing fine now, uh, but he, he was pulled from the recent New Japan events, and uh, he's been pulled from the Fight Forever show in Birmingham in December, and uh, I mean, we all marvel at Ospreay's matches, don't we, Benno? Uh, but he's got a style where it's surprising that this doesn't happen more often to him, sadly. Yeah, you know if Osprey is, is skipping out on bookings, there's something going on, don't you? That it must mm. be maybe not serious, but something that's made him reconsider, something that maybe hurt enough that he's reconsidered. Yeah, I was watching, following along on Twitter on that day, and I saw people very concerned about him, so I was glad that it wasn't, you know, something more serious. Um, but yeah, it actually probably is surprising with his style. Uh, Osprey, I suppose this doesn't, this type of thing doesn't happen to Osprey more. Maybe that says everything about how much control he's got over his mm. body on his spots. He's not a, you know, a flippy guy who doesn't know how to work. He very much knows how to work. He knows how to land. He knows how to hit his stuff perfectly. So it usually, it is out of the norm when something goes a little bit wrong in an Osprey match. So maybe that makes, makes sense as to why that is. But yeah, obviously wish him well. And 
he'll certainly be missed. Um, but yeah, he's got the I think New Japan contract times coming up in January. He's got that to worry about. Um, and yeah, obviously he's got to. He's very, very young. Still, we forget that, don't we? He's got to take care of that body. Mm. Not that he he listens a lot of the time to to people who probably pull him pull him aside and tell him that. But yeah, good that he's he's recognised it here and he's uh, he's taking a little bit of time away. Even though I will yeah miss him from the the shows he was scheduled on. Yeah, definitely, and obviously uh, we hope he has a, a full recovery soon. And in uh, some final news, uh, a Japanese legend's going to be heading to these shows at the end of November. Uh, Masato Tanaka, uh, obviously famous from his crazy matches in ECW and FMW, is going to be appearing for Fight Club Pro and OTT at the end of November. I mean, obviously he's well away from his prime here, Benno, but still great to see him over here. Yep, yeah, that's it. The the, the Masato Tanaka. How like how is he still wrestling? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> those bump. I mean, just looking. You mentioned ECW. Just purely looking at the Mike Awesome matches. How is he still wrestling? Mm. The chair shots that he took, the table bumps that he took, and then all the other stuff he's done in his career ever since. He's kind of a bit of a walking. You know, we're talking about uh, wrapping Osprey up in bubble wrap. Maybe Tanaka's the the opposite example of someone <laughs> who's who's still around. But yeah, it's special that he's out there. I'm watching the won't be able to make it out for ott but i'm watching the fight club pro announcements to see who the they put him on with um you know there's a few interesting combinations you could put him on with the walter they could put him on with amico um it could be really interesting what they do with masato tanaka and yeah bit of a legend and someone yeah wouldn't have expected in a million years in 2018 i'd get to see him live at a show but the the possibility is there so yeah i'll be keeping an eye on those lineups for sure well, yeah, it's like you say, um, we wouldn't be imagining seeing him in the UK in 2018, because this is his uh, first appearance in the UK since he faced off against Samoa oh, God, Joe yeah. in, a, in a complete <laughs> abomination of a match for uh, 1PW back in did 2006. They it, did they cut it short for a Steve Carino promo? I remember the UK fan forum kicking off about that one. Uh, I believe the, the, the couple of minutes we got were really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, such is 1PW. Yeah, well, I was there live for that one. I couldn't believe it when the match lasted a few minutes and ended up in a DQ. I mean, I mean, there's too much BS going on behind the scenes in one PW to get yeah. into here, but uh, we'll no doubt get better, much better showings when he comes back this time around. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a shame! Yeah, that's it. Samoa Joe in his prime as well. Yeah, that would that could have been something really special. Uh, what yeah. a shame. But Brit Rest 2060, <laughs> 2006, rather, yeah. And, yeah, uh, we'll it so these kids don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to leave us your feedback, uh, forum.postwrestling.com, let us know what you think of the show and any uh, questions you've got for any future shows. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, leave any feedback you've got there. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back on the 31st of October talking Red Pro on Free Sports and the OTT 4th Anniversary Show. <laughs>